Can you give me some kind of update? What we're we literally about? just talking about experiences in life and your process as the DP, as the program director of a nationally syndicated. I'm okay, thank you. You know, he he wants help right now. He doesn't want no water. <laughs> he wants to know how he could get out of here. <laughs> That, at least he's a friend, so he has no choice. <laughs> I have no that, choice. That, that's the part that he's just like, oh, wait a minute. This is what I'm actually doing today. He's done just, this before. Dude, let me let me say this. I'm I'm straight gonna be 100 on this. I hate talking about the job, dude. You're not talking about the job. This has, this is life. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Don, you're not in control okay. of this. See, see, Mr. Program Director. Okay, I just want you are now a guest. Could you please sit back and relax? 26 okay. years. Are you guys filming still, right? No. Yeah, we're always recording. <laughs> like, please, like, stop with your... um. You don't understand. I don't want to understand. <laughs> That's what you're not understanding. <laughs> <laughs> like, nobody... Mm. I got one more. Can I get a water, please? Please. Like, nobody cares, Don. Sorry to tell you. If you want, I do. We just watch this cup. We watch the cup, so if you want to put your drink in there, it's cool. Mm. Oh my goodness! Man. I know you do, but I don't care. How, how long is this piece? No, nah, you ask so much. <laughs> Yo, come on, dude. I'm not letting you be let, a DP right now. Let me explain right. something, <laughs> No, no. I, I like to. Be, I like to be prepared. I know you do, but guess what? It's all right not to be. It's the best ones. Like we're gonna literally. We're. Pre let me tell you how prepared you are. This is your thing. No, you don't get it, but <laughs> I don't. Guess how much I don't care about getting it. Let me tell you. Have a second conversation. Oh, oh yeah, this is even okay. better. Off no. air is <laughs> even. Off air is even. <laughs> guys, you guys don't even have to tell him how to hold the mic or nothing. <laughs> what? And he's already turning off his phone without even us telling him to do that. Sign, <laughs> tell me you've done this before, Don. No, no, I haven't. But uh, no, yeah, this <clears throat> week. Ooh, my boy Don Chris, this is this is gonna be a good one. I, you know, we needed to have this conversation. A while ago, you're you're definitely what a hustler. This show is hustler's testimony, and my my focus on doing this was how do I bring value and help some people solve problems in their process and their trial and error they've been through in business and life and ownership and anything educate like you know we uh, you know we've interviewed some good, some exciting. Um, people that's that's really been through some things and their processes and how they're successful with it now. So, you definitely a friend, a brother. I definitely know you've been through some real life scenarios, and I know your story is going to impact so many and bring value to so many. So that's the main reason I wanted us to sit down and have a conversation. Mm -hmm. So, so give a little bit. So Don Chris, born and raised where? St. Louis, Missouri. So, so how's what what is that what what's the culture of St. Louis Missouri? Like, what are, what's the weather like what if somebody I don't know nothing about St. Louis Missouri, what would you explain about St. Louis Missouri? First of all, there's black people in St. Louis Missouri. Oh yeah, it's okay. a lot of them. Oh, St. Louis, yeah, yeah, you're right. Nelly. And at one time the murder capital of the world. Ooh, yeah. yeah, so it's it's pretty bad. You know, but when you think of St. Louis, it's still home to me with all of that. You know, uh born and raised there. Uh when people think St. Louis, they think the arch, they think the cardinal 
Beatles, mm. St. Louis, Nelly, like you said. I'm going um, down, down, Chingy. baby. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Cedric the Entertainer, like Jackie Joyner, Kersey, like all of those people. Are you from know, that. Red Fox, yeah. Is, is there Louis. like um, a particular like community in St. Louis that a lot... Is how how large is St. Louis? Uh, St. Louis is, is a pretty large city. Yeah, it's pretty big. Sorry for my ignorance. I don't know things like pretty, that. Pretty big, you know. So mm-hmm. a lot of cities there, you know, from the north side, south, obviously St. Louis and West U City. Like it goes on. It's it's different counties. Is it like there. a community icon that everybody talks about growing up, or? Um, you got to remember, I haven't lived there in like twenty six years. Because oh, <laughs> yeah. I I don't know what it is now, but. Um, let me just say this. I was born and raised there. And then at the age of like 21, I moved to St. Louis. Uh, I'm sorry, Indianapolis. I moved there and was there for like almost 15 years. And then so you, for the past both seven of those years, communities I've really influenced you. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I've been here the past seven years. So you're talking about, um, yeah, 17 years, 18 years. So I'm growing up in St. Louis, you were raised with mom and dad or you were raised with? No, I was raised with mom and then stepdad came into the picture later. Um, my biological father passed away about um, a, a year and a half ago. Okay. And it's so unfortunate because I didn't know him. Wow, and so, so you grew up with that reality from the beginning. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I mean, to this day, and I, to be honest, I thought I was okay. My mom never said anything bad about him growing up. That's, that's she never said point. anything good about him. He just didn't exist. Mm. And to be honest, I didn't even question it until I was like maybe 27, 28, and I feel stupid for that. You know? No, I don't <laughs> think it's about a matter of stupid. I think I got to give respect and to how your mom... However, she got to that process. Yes, that's, that's, that's unbelievable. Yes, but how? Like that's crazy to me. So, but I, I want to finish the story before you even go there, though. So, about twenty-seven, you know, I'm living in Indianapolis, and my mom, you know, she's starting to get up in age at this time, and she decided to come visit me, and um, you know, she had been there a few times, but this time she said, you know what, I'm uh, I'm just gonna spend some time with you, stay at your home, and and wait, it don't sound like she asked her mission. It's like she told you. <laughs> I but but you know what? That's mom. She can that's do whatever mom. That's what I, I know. She wants I, to do. Trust me, I go through that now. To but this but day. this was cool because listen, every time I come home, I have a great relationship with mom. We we hang out, all of that. But this was some time that she just wanted to spend with me, and we had some conversations. And mm. um, you're you know, about twenty seven around that time. Around twenty seven, twenty eight. You have other brothers and sisters. Yes, though? I do. Okay, but I, you particularly, she wanted to have it. Yeah, we and we were just sitting there talking, and I think you know she's at a point retired coming of age and just wanted to uh, just bond. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think it was. So she came to visit me. Indianapolis is probably like three and a half hours away. Spent a few days, um, had great food and conversation. And the conversation came up and I was like, you know what? (laughs) Whatever happened to my father? Like, why is he not? So wait, is it that real? Like you guys never asked the name? Like, no, there's no no kind. Let me say this. I I wonder how. he, He will, I will say this. He was in our life up until the age, I'm guessing like, three or four, and then he just kind of disappeared. I only have great memories in my head as a kid. Mm. Some people will say, how the hell you still remember that? I mean, you just do. He was, he yeah, was your it's, father. It's a very intimate If time. I saw him, I mean, I would recognize him, you know? And um, anyway, we, we had that conversation. How long did your mom raise you guys bef- 
before I'm stepfather come in. I'm getting tired of I'm this. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm anxious. You see, all right, I'm, all right, I'll get right to it. Let me, let me, let me get right to it. So you know, it really got me to thinking. And then uh, after mom left, I was hanging out with some other DJs in Indianapolis, and we were all sitting at a table at a restaurant one day. And we all realized our fathers were not in our lives. Everybody at the table, what the heck is going on? Um, but my situation was unique because my father was still alive. And for whatever reason, everyone else's father had passed away or whatever. And a friend of mine said, you should reach out to your father and find out and get closure on some things. No, I don't need them. I, I already have closure. I've been okay all of this time. I didn't realize that I needed closure. I didn't realize it. And I thought about it for a few days, and I said, you know what? I'm going to do that. It was the hardest thing ever in my life to do. Ooh, because I said, that. I'm the kid here. Right. Why the hell you're am I reaching me, out? You're giving me all this responsibility. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? Are you serious? But nevertheless, I remember sitting there in the bathroom, and I'm like, how do I do this? It's going to be awkward. What happens? I called the first time. His wife picked up the phone, and I asked to speak to him. And he wasn't home at the time. <laughs> I was like, oh, you work up all of this energy. He's not at home. Okay, um, I'll call him back at another time. Uh, would you like to leave a message? No, no, thank you. You know? So then 6 o'clock that night. You got more courage call, juice. And he answered the phone. And I told him who I was. That gut feeling. Yeah. And it got, mm -hmm. it got really quiet for a minute. And then he said... Yeah, hey, how you doing? Is everything okay? Do you need anything? And I told him, no, I don't need anything. Things are fine. I just wanted to uh, find out what happened and see if we could connect in person. I'll drive to St. Louis and all. Believe it or not, he met with me. And I think part of it was because he wanted to see wow. us. Although he wasn't there, but I mean, you know. That this connection, your, he, he, he missed it. child, you know? So we met up in the McDonald's, St. Louis, Natural Bridge and Kings Highway. You from St. Louis, you already you know. what know. time it is. You know what it is. So I get there, and his wife is there, too. And he actually showed up. I was 30 years old. Ooh. And I said, wow. That was important for his wife to be there. That's, yeah. That's commendable. Yeah. That's a good sign. And it's a whole nother story, like, when we were born in all the court and all of that. Because we were proven, my younger brother and I, we were proven to be his kids in court. But, and his wife was the same lady from back in the 80s and wow. <laughs> all of that. But here's the thing. So we're sitting there and um, we're having a civil conversation and his wife understands, hey, that's your Did father. they have kids? I, I think so, but I don't know. I don't know. I think they have kids. So did you cut the relationship right after or... I'm just kidding. I get excited. This is why I can't watch a good movie because so I already want to. Get, I'm getting my questions answered. Why? You know, and he's explaining, you know, he didn't think we were just kids and all of this. But, you know, it all went to court. It was determined that we were your kids and all. The thing is, he had a family already. Ooh, wanna, yeah. He was obviously already married. I'm just calling it like it is, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. And he wasn't ready to deal with that reality. Mm. And, um, Again, sitting there at the table, his wife understood. She's like, hey, I get it. He made a mistake then. You all are his kids. I'm here to embrace whatever because you all are his kids. This is my husband. But ultimately, it's his decision. And I said, look, if you don't believe that we're your kids, let's take another test. He didn't want to do that. He was okay walking away from then 
from that table. Mm. <laughs> and the thing is, it was probably easy, easy for him at that time because he had been living that way for a long time. And I was fine so because I, I have a similar, not sim, not just like that, but yeah, you cut me off. Can similar, I no, that shit just mock me. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, because because I'm, I'm at the end of this piece. So and I, and I told him I'm like, listen, I'm. I'm I'm fine. I don't need anything for you. I was able to walk away with just closure. That's all I needed. Wow. And I got his side of the story, my mom's side of the story, and then I came up with my version of what I feel was the truth based off of both sides of the story. I think for me, the reason I'm so like, because that's not an easy thing to deal with because I had someone in my life that told me, because me and my mother were separated for years, and they told me, they were like, well, you don't know what you don't have. So they kept on telling me that. So it was for way for me, they thought was the best way for me to, you know, to deal with the disconnection of parent. So I think it was easier for him to run from that mm -hmm. of not knowing what he had and whatever he had before that, he was just going to stay to that. And now, right. you know, after 30 years, he doesn't want to deal with nothing new, right? you know, after right. 30 years. But I think, you know, I, you getting closure with that was big. So now going back a little, you know, still staying in that before that, the raising by, you know, being raised by your mom, how was that process? You know, Let me tell you, I talk about this all of the time because my mom is amazing and there's so many strong women out there. To be honest, without them, <laughs> I don't see how we would even be here. I look at my mom and um, my mom dropped out of high school in 10th grade. 10th grade. And I, I, I don't even know if I should even be putting that information out there, but she provided for all four of her kids. She found a way. She kept us spiritually grounded. She worked a full-time job. She owned a house. Principles. <laughs> mm. She rented out um, uh, the other side of the house. You know, it was a, a two flat. And she she rented out that side to generate extra uh, income and also provided so we could have lunch money, clothes, food, all of that, you know, and uh, even summer vacation trips. My mom just made it happen. You got to still and find a way to do all that. She found a way. Even without a high school education, she made it happen. So I'm so blessed. From my mom, um, talking to my mom, she explained there was times where um, my father wanted to have an abortion with my younger brother. And my mom said, no, she couldn't do that. You know, and I'm so glad she did. It's <laughs> real. Go. That principle. My younger brother is my best friend. <laughs> mm, so you could have lost your best friend. That's real. That's real. And just, just to think about him not being here, like, dude, that would be crazy for me, man. You like, can't even see it. That's my young, I would do anything for my young brother. But my mom, she was strong. She made it happen. And, and she I said, hard so did you guys have older brothers and sisters? Yeah, I had two, two other two. brothers, half brothers, too, that were in my life. But, um... You know, we we still managed to survive, and and my stepfather came into the picture, and he was freaking amazing. You know, um, the example that I needed, I I needed a a, a strong father. Around what age did he come into? I'm guessing that had to be somewhere around twelve. Okay, somewhere that's around a, that age. That's a developing. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, the manhood. I guess father, I mean, I'm talking about father figure, like 
He came and perfect, stepped up right away. The mm. perfect with a spiritual background as well. That's needed. You know, you look at so many people here today, and it's like, man, these people are lost. Mm. How did I get so blessed? You know what I mean? So your mom already had that spiritual upbringing yeah. like from the beginning, and then he stepped up and had the same foundation yep. Yep. for it. That's beautiful. Yep. That's how they it's met right the on spiritual foundation. The, the timing. Yeah. And, and him coming, how old was your brother around that time? Which one? Your younger brother. My younger brother. Um, I, it's like almost a two year difference two between difference us. So, yeah, between he's probably that. about nine. So, yeah. so then now your mom was already a superwoman. Her getting yeah. now yeah. the support of a good, principally driven, spiritual man brought more value to that union you guys already had. What what do they like? What they did for a living? Like what were they doing for a living? My mom was a uh, bus driver, uh, city transportation, and. You know, if if the money wasn't there, she just worked a lot of overtime, you know, to make up. She figured she, it out. She hustled, you know? And then on top of that, she barbecued on the weekends and did whatever to make extra money. She Another wasn't feeling. out there doing illegal activities and all. Like, she wanted to set the example. And the same thing, my stepfather, he had a, a good job working in construction and later ended up being like a foreman with the, you know, city schools and all. Built our home <laughs> from the bottom up. Like I was, I know because I was there helping as a kid to put wow. the roof on the house and build it. You know, so literally that that example you had. Now I understand why you grind the way you do. Now I know how you hustle the way you do. Let me tell you, Don works from eight a.m. <laughs> to eight a.m. the next yeah. day, all day long in the yeah. industry. You know, so I think you that that was instilling yeah. you earlier on, dude. I mean, I'm I'm out to prove something. For myself, but also I want to set an example for other people and show that hey, with hard work, anything is possible. So when you so you're 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 now going into the school, high school only, or did you carry on? You went to the college all the or <laughs> that's a great question. Let me explain. I I went to my high school. Offer it offered radio. That's all I ever wanted to do in life. You know, and believe it or not, it seemed like it wasn't that long ago, but. The internet and everything was not like really out and popping at that time. It was, it was there, but nobody was like really using it at the time. So radio was that thing. And when you think about music, that's like really outside of our parents. That's the first thing we really fall in love with before, you know, other people. And I was like really music. And I fell in love with music and the voice behind the scenes, the microphone. And I said, man, that mystery piece, that's what I wanted to do. Now everything is visual. You so how did you get to the audio? Like, how did you get to falling in love with radio? Was it? It's just, it's, it's just something that happens, you know? Like, was it like somebody in your hometown that you guys were listening to that you were like? Yeah, there, yeah that's what it is. The radio DJ there being connected to rap music, you know, and that Who was that the time, DJ there around that time? Kevy Kev. He was a night show DJ. And then there's other mixers, DJs, but Kevy Kev was a nighttime. So your high school had um, a radio, class, yeah, a radio programming class. Yes. And what did what did they teach? Like, what, like what was the, the lesson? Base, the basics of radio, you know, um, what's involved in it, and and just basically the foundation and principles of radio. And I took it there in high school. I um, here's the thing that was. <laughs> so was it communication or was it like really just radio? It was radio. It was a jazz radio station, KSLH ninety five five. Wow! And the school would have like an hour of programming where it would switch over remotely to us, and we would play our own jazz music and live in real time, live real time radio. Yeah, 
So, wow. and we prepared a newscast. So we had to write our news. We would come in and get the newspapers, write our own news stories and all. Like, it was pretty deep. So, oh, I, I didn't even know, I even know how yeah. um, schools, I didn't even know that was even a thing in the school. I know there's communication and they talk about different things. I didn't know it was actually a radio. Yeah, it was a so radio how, station. So do you believe that, of course, that was the foundation, the learning process. What did you do from after that? Like learning? So- in high school, um, like I said, I knew very early on I wanted to do radio. Went to that high school for that specific reason. And then while in my senior year, there was an um, a organization called um, uh, National Association of Black Journalists. And I got involved in that because anything related to radio, I wanted to be involved with. And there, the radio teacher was another radio DJ on that radio station that I listened to. And I built a relationship from there with him. And um, he offered me an unofficial intern position because I wasn't really in college at that time. And I was like, dude, I'll take it. I want to learn. And because I worked hard, it ended up turning into a job there. And then after high school, I did go off to college but how was I, your mom's support though in that process? Was she for you going through the radio route? Did being she honest, no. Okay. Being honest, no. And the reason why is my mom wanted me to focus on the ministry work. Mm. And I understand, you know, she didn't mean it in, in any kind of malicious or bad way, but she she wanted me to focus on the ministry and Something where I could use my hands because my stepfather, you know, it's cooperative. Right, right. Hey, how about air conditioning or something like that? But that's not what I wanted to do. And from their understanding, again, they're only trying to do what's right for me. So for them, they said, I think um, that's what you should do. But I wanted to do radio and they didn't think it would last long. And then it ended up turning into They didn't like, understand the career of yeah. radio. And then he was a hard-working man, yep. construction. So yep. he knew that's the that that was the route that he he most likely wanted you to go. Yeah, going. So you're talking about about like the like like my parents. They still don't understand what I do. Yeah, when I tell them I'm in marketing <laughs> and I create content, they're looking at me like, "What are you talking about?" So you don't work with your hands, like you don't. Yeah, go, right, you right. Don't in. <laughs> to this but, day, let me let, let me say this though. Um, <laughs> I told I totally get it. They wanted me to do the ministry work. I didn't want to do that, but I respect it. Of course. And my mom still do it today. Like my mom retired and she still is in the ministry wow. work. This is what she does full time. Beautiful. I commend her so much Beautiful. for that. But it just wasn't for me. Understand. Um, in high school, senior in high school, I'm working at a top 20 commercial radio station. And although I did go to college after high school, I didn't stick around. I was already in my dream job. You already job. knew. Mm. And here's the thing, though. I'm a kid. I don't understand. I How still old were need you around to go. that time? That was eight, 17, 18. In school, everybody's like, yo, here's him from the radio, blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, senior, go off to college. The problem with this is um, I'm sitting here thinking, why am I even in college when I'm already working my dream job? Mm. It's backwards to me. And Not sense. thinking that I, I wouldn't be working at the radio station forever. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, you just never know. I didn't think that way. And then, of course, with my mom, um, in my opinion, I may be wrong, but with her dropping out of high school at 10, at, at 10th grade, like. And you saw her she still wasn't being so, successful. She was still successful, but I don't know if she even knew how to help me get in college. Mm. You know? 
So, I'm so how was the community relationship, though? Did you? I know your parents were there to support you. Oh yeah. Did you have a big village? Was there? Did, did listen, were you raised in that community? Was it like a village that raised you guys? Listen, it was definitely a village, and they had no problem um, um, coming down on you. <laughs> I don't even want to say putting the whip, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they would they would make sure they helped raise you and 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 guide you in the right direction. So yes, that was there. And in fact, there were times back then where my mom um relied on some of our neighbors, the older ones, just to make sure we were good while she was at work. My mom usually got off around six o'clock, but if school is over with three o'clock, we're at home, we're there for a few hours. And my neighbors were retired. They would just make sure we were not out in the streets. We're in the house like we were supposed to be. It was a different time back then. So you know the crazy thing? I just have to make sure I let I speak back to the audience because I know who you are and I know what you do. Yeah. But I realize we have never told the audience, the people that's watching this, <laughs> who Don Chris is and what do you do for a living? Like, what well, do you do now? Well, listen, that's a great um, um, transition piece because, you know, radio is, what, like I told you, I always wanted to do that and people didn't believe in me, and even when I got in the doors, people didn't think I would last long. But it ended up turning into a 26-year career and still going, you know. And I'm 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 feel like it. I feel like it's 20 more years left in me. But um, I started in St. Louis doing radio, Indianapolis, and satellite radio, and now I'm here in West Palm Beach. I am the program director for X1023. And also an on-air personality, 3 uh, p.m. to 7 p.m. So I want to go into what... And start it from the bottom. Yeah, I want to go to the bottom, but I want to stay up here first. What is uh, the responsibility as the program director of a radio station? Great question. Really simple. I'm responsible for everything that comes out of those speakers. When you listen to the radio station, from the music to what we call the imaging, everything that plays between the music, the promotions that go on a radio station, the hiring of staff, um, just hiring staff with, for the talent of the show or staff overall for the station, hand it, hand, staff overall for the station and meeting with people like it's it's so many pieces to it. Yes, staff and 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 just hiring people. So we'll, we'll, we'll go. I, I want to talk a little bit more about that later. But I want now to go into the beginning for you of radio. I know you started in high school and then got the internship. Yes. But when you started actually doing it for a living, where now you get paid for it, or is there steps before that? Um, after that unofficial internship, it turned into what they call a board op, which is like everything but talking on a radio station and. It was a paid position. Now, back then, believe a it or not. A board op, you said? Yes. So, I'm basically, I'm doing everything but talking on the radio. I'm making sure the music is playing, making sure the commercials are so playing. So, you're running the board. Running the board. That's the board operator position. Mm. And I started getting paid then. And again, I, like I said, I started from the bottom up. Back then, I was getting paid $6 an hour. Big money. Yeah, it was big money back then. So, but you was rich. more importantly, was the opportunity. Mm. You can see the picture, the value in and that. the value in it, and I wasn't doing it for the money. And in fact, like I never really do it for the money. But back then, I just wanted to be there with my DJs that I love listening to on a radio station, and open up some doors. Was it a love for music? Like, how did you love for music and the DJs? Again, back then, 
And I, I am so aging myself here. Yeah, but you're, you're old. It was you're a dirt. privilege to have cable TV. You know, you would just have... <laughs> Don, please stop while you're ahead. No, this I'm is, just... This is pretty I'm embarrassing. Be, I'm being... This, this is embarrassing. We think about it now because it's so readily available. But back then, it's like, hey... So radio <laughs> was important back then. It was. It was. It still is, but it was so much more important yes, before. Very important. Radio was very important. That's what we had. That was that was the go to thing for the latest trending news, and 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 artists. It was our connection to the artists because radio were the ones breaking the new music. So so then after running the board, what was next for you? Um, running the board. Um, eventually, man, it's, it's, it's so many steps from running the board, working in the promotions department, and I was doing everything that I could to move up. There were times I was running four radio stations at once and was running around like a, a marathon just to make sure it was on the air overnight. So the gr so the ground, right? So there was nothing that told you that some this is getting too hard. No, I was young. I was young. Now, <laughs> you still do this, John. Don. I don't know what you're about. Like I don't. Like, you're talking like you still don't do. But all I'm this, smarter but. with it now. I'm smarter with it. If it's physically running around a radio station, it's like it was a marathon, four radio stations, each song, making sure that they don't run out because they would be dead air on a radio station doing overnights. Mm. But that was my way of making myself valuable. So you're just overnight, also. Well, I'm, not now, but then oh, no, I was. Then, so I was doing overnights. Then. Yeah. I was doing overnights. So was that a normal thing for people that's coming into the industry? They yes. start off doing yes. nights. Yes. Because that's where you get your training and to get ready for the prime Is that a thing anymore? Uh, it should be. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, here, here it is. In you fact, still do the process of yes, that. Yes. In fact, I'm getting, I'm getting ready to start someone in overnights now just to train them for other day parts. Yeah. So when did you become a radio personality in that process? That's... What, it was it was this you know what it was this 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 lady that believed in me she was um i believe she came from alabama and she was the program director for the new hip hop station in the cluster back then we had four radio stations and they flipped the format from an old school r&b station to mm -hmm. hip hop because back then they would only play hip hop at night back then and they would put during the day they would play r&b but it was deemed offensive to play hip hop, hip -hop during the day back then because people were at work and it wasn't like fully embraced yet. But All hip hop time. grew and it was, you know, it. it, it and you were in that era of yeah. watching hip hop grow. Like, speak a little bit about that, like watching hip hop grow. Wait, hold on, well, let me say this. The station um, came on the air, uh, it was 100.3 to beat, amazing radio station. I wanted to be an on-air personality. I had done everything from promotions to board hopping to being a DJ mixer. And uh, I wanted to move up. And this lady came in. She was a program director at that radio station. She believed in me. Her name was Deja Vu. And she said, I'm going to start you off on weekends. Not just as a DJ, but an on-air personality. What do you think she saw in you? I don't know. Because... I don't know. When did you learn how to DJ? That's a, that's I, I, I learned how to DJ back in my junior year in high school. And I learned from just listening to the blends on the radio station, how they blended the records, where they blended the records. And I went and got equipment, did my research back then, found out what equipment they use, 
found the music back then. It was CDs and tapes and all, you know? And um, I started DJ and vinyl records and vinyl records. And I practiced. No one like really taught me. And and I tell anybody today, you just got to get out there and learn and get it. By the way, that program director that believed in me and I don't know what she saw and I never asked her, but now she is the um, MC for Kelly and Regis, the black girl announcer on that show now on TV and the number one DJ in New York on WBLS. And that was my supervisor that gave me the opportunity as an on-air personality. And it's so many people that helped me. That was St. Louis or that was in? That was in St. Louis. St. Louis. Yes. So then you were a radio personality in St. Louis for how long? I'm guessing maybe about six or seven years. So the whole time, were you always observing the different levels and growing in the station? Yes. That's always your intention to keep on growing. Yes. Around this industry. Yes. So did you went to St. Louis and you went to Indianapolis? And I went to Indianapolis. So what was your last thing in St. Louis as a radio personality? My last thing, <laughs> it was a radio personality. I had, and and the reason I probably would still be in St. Louis if I hadn't crossed this line. Um <laughs> what happened is obviously when you're making six dollars an hour, that's not enough to support you. And you start looking for op- other opportunities and I saw an opportunity to become a promoter. Mm. I know, that, I know conflict, that lifestyle. Which was a conflict like, being on a radio, radio. station mm. because they feel like, hey, if you're buying advertising and you're promoting your event, <laughs> it's not a fair advantage for everyone else. Sure. And <laughs> because I had built a name for myself, uh, there was a concert that was coming to town at the radio station through. And there was no after party. And I was connected with the artist. Did what the smart guy would do. <laughs> I did what the smart guy would do. I after booked the after season. party. Jeez. And the after party was bigger than the concert. So it was a slap in the face. Than the t- it was a slap in the face for the radio station who put on the event. And I took advantage. Of your position. Of, so you made, you did a great event. Great turnout, but yeah. you also lost your position. But I also lost my position. That's that's how it works. It's a real process. <laughs> it's a real thing. And and I learned I learned my lesson. You know, <laughs> how did so? Of course, definitely you had to be hurt by that because that's what you know at that point. Yes. So what the fear? What like what did that do to you? Um, I was only out of work for less than a month. So there was no. F- of course, there had to be fear when you lost lost it, but you built enough relationships around that time? I built enough relationships, and um, a, a guy that worked on the record label side, because I dealt with record labels mm-hmm. all my life, because their job is to get songs played on the radio station. The record label um, guy said, hey, my fraternity brother is in Indianapolis. I got you, you know? I uh, drove there. Like I said, it's only three and a half hours away. I thought it was only going to be a pit stop. I was feeling myself. You know, at that point, I had been through enough with radio. And I was like, yo, I can bounce back anywhere, you know? And I bounced back in Indianapolis. And that really changed the entire game for me. Um, Again, thought it was just going to be a pit stop. And it turned into something massive. What, like, what? 
like what was that transition like now? Because now you got to leave. You're leaving your family. You're leaving your your norm. But here's the thing. It wasn't difficult. And let me tell you why. A, as you know, I'm a loner. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's your thing. <laughs> I am a right, loner. Right up your alley. It's right up my alley. And home was just three and a half hours away. If it didn't work out, I could always go back home. So there truly was and no fear. And I didn't fear. have family. I didn't... I, Kids, like, I didn't have anything that I was attached to in St. Louis other than family, and they were just right up the street. I could go back and visit family every weekend. So mm. it was easy. Okay. And it was a win-win because St. Louis was a bigger market. I could take everything I learned in St. Louis, bring it to Indianapolis, because it was proven in St. Louis. That's all I did. So you already had that brand in St. Louis. Yes. So now you and I was, just, was the radio, could you hear... No, so no, just you different. couldn't hear the radio station. No, so they, but they knew of the brand in both communities. You believe, or it was just too extreme? No, did you have a brand big enough that you could just carry on to St. Louis? Well, here's the thing: St. Louis is obviously where it started at. I mean, now. to Indianapolis, but no, it it was not like that. So you basically that starting my boss all was over. Just, my boss at that time was just taking a chance based off what his frat brother said. The relationship again. The relationship. The power and relationship. And, and and I'm not trying to brag on myself or anything, but he'll tell you to the day to this day, like that was one of the best moves he had ever, you know, made. And I'm glad that he even Absolutely. considered me and took a chance on me because it's hard finding people to take a chance on you. So you get to you get to Indianapolis, you're on air at around what's the hour? Like what time are you on air? Are you Six not- o'clock to ten. I was a night so jock. So you're the night jock. Yes. So is that a good time slot? Yeah, it's, it's, to, it's, the, it's the kids. So you're going to get all of the hype. Mm. Is it necessarily the most important slot? That's no, crazy how it's the not, world is different now. It is the hype slot, slot. And I made a lot of money off of the hype. I mean, I was very popular on a radio station. And all I wow. did was recycle what I took from St. Louis, brought it there to Indianapolis. Is Indianapolis a, a larger market or a smaller market? So Indianapolis either? is smaller. Smaller market. So when I got there, it was slower. Great city, but it was slower. And I just came and turned the city upside down. It just added a wow. little bit of shock value, publicity stunts. St. Louis, we were trying to be the Howard Stern. Ooh. So you understand, it's a drastic difference there. St. Louis, I was trying to be the Howard Stern, the Wendy Williams, the star and Buck Wild of radio. Oh, that was your idea. You were Charlemagne. We, were- we were trying to do all of that. Yeah. You were the shock value. You were the shock Howard giant. Stern. Yeah, that's what we were trying to do. You know. Did we you have a co-host around that no, time? No, just me. Just you, just going at it. Yeah, just going you, at that's it. That's why it's so normal for you. Like this loner thing is a it's a real thing for you. But, but but here's the thing. I mean, St. Louis taught me not only how to hustle, but it it taught me about competition because we mm. had more than one radio station, and I skipped a lot of things. But another radio station came into the market and said, "We want some of that share." You know, the so St. Louis market did that. Yes. Yes. But Indianapolis, you didn't have that. No, I didn't have that. So you're the only guy in Indianapolis. I was the only one. How, you say it's a, pretty, it's a pretty small market, though. Yeah, it's about half the size of St. Louis. Half the size of St. Louis. Yeah. But now your relationships, the access, everything is at arm's It was already right there. And the reason why is because St. Louis and Indianapolis is still Midwest. It's so the Midwest. same people, uh, the, the regionals from the record companies, 
the Midwest is they their region. So the whether same. I was there in Detroit or St. Louis or Chicago, I'm still dealing with the same people. That's another reason it was a win-win for me. So give me a little bit of pro and give me a little bit of con on moving to that new market in St. Louis. Like, Give me some of the pros that you gained from just those years in St. Louis and some of the cons and how you really dealt with both of those. Oh, that's a great question. Um, I'll just say the con, obviously, it's a smaller market. Um, but it's still a good market. You know, like... Everything I was doing in St. Louis, I was able to do there. Uh, Indianapolis obviously is not as well known for the entertainment. But also the pro to that is when things came to Indianapolis, it was big because everyone supported and showed up. And you were dealing with the the young people that want to spend some money, that want to hang out, that was interesting. So... You're the plug for them. I, I was the plug. So the while, because now you're dealing with hip hop. Hip hop now. So your timing was so perfect. It was perfect. It was perfect. Wow. It was. And the thing is, it's, it's like, man, I, I don't even know if that stuff could even be duplicated today. But, you know, um, I had artists like DJ Khaled that, that would come to Indianapolis and he was blown away because it's like. I had tour buses and everything. Like I would go out in the neighborhoods. It would be thousands of people. You can. The resources were different also back then. No, this is, dude, this is me. (laughs) This is out of my pocket, man. Wait, wait a minute. Wait. So let me just read. Whoa, 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 whoa. I just heard what you said in my other. I'm not waiting. you had tour buses. Yeah. You funded yourself. Yes. For promo. Yes. Ooh, heavy. Yes. Heavy. So the street team, because you did street team in your other station, you started off with all that stuff. Yes. So the guerrilla marketing and everything, you just brought over the same to to Indianapolis. And they weren't even used to that aggressiveness. Ooh. Hip hop is new. Artists is coming in town. You have the resources to support them. The lifestyle and the culture, they get in the bigger markets, but you're doing now in a smaller market. So your brand just took off in Indianapolis. That's just a few things. I mean, we're not even talking about the record pool and what the record pool is. Back then, again, vinyl records is what DJs use. Mm. So um, what the record companies would do, they would send their music to certain people to distribute to DJs across the state or whatever. So I had like the biggest record pool in Indianapolis and all of the DJs would come to me to get their music. So it was a connection there to breaking music and records and everything. So, so how many years you did in Indianapolis? Almost 15. Almost. Almost 15. So what was after radio personality in in Indianapolis, did you go into another position? Like what did, what was that process for you there? Well, afterwards I came here. So you you went from radio personality to DP down here or you were a DP up there? Program, sorry, program director. Uh, yeah, program no. director. Oh, I'm okay. sorry. There, I was the on-air personality and the music director. And then normally you would go to a. Uh, What's the position of a PD. music director? And then you would go up to PD. What's the position Me- of a music director? Is it so? Just- it's, it's basically like coordinator of music, and then I would bring that to my program director for the final decision. On- but I would have my ear to the street when it comes to. Music what's coming out so where is it just music that's coming from the label or you actually was finding locals to play on it was both but mostly majors and the yeah. reason why and, and, and that's a great question because a lot of people always wonder hey why doesn't why don't the radio play more local music and all just gonna ask you it's, it's really a business you know and it's like these people's jobs depend on ratings <laughs> their see. job um 
depend on, on, on being able to sell the radio station. And if you don't have the highest ratings, well, what happened? They go back and look and see, well, why are the ratings not good? Oh, it's probably because you're not playing tested music across the country that makes sense to play. Why are you playing a song that's not even on the charts when people want to hear the hottest top 20? So really, you guys, like you said, it's the business. So am I going to play, basically, you guys, the program direct, the program director have to make a decision to deal with the mass as far as more people want to hear this, the pop, you know, whatever is the, the pop, top, yeah. top yep. hits, but the locals, there's just different timing. And you're paying for, it's airspace now. Are you going to give Chengi the opportunity or are you going to give right. Rob from down the street right. the same opportunity? People are not tuning in to hear Rob from down the street. They're tuning right. in to hear Chengi. Right. So you guys got to make sure to... Be- did you guys also have different times where you did like local love? Did yes. you guys do it there? Yes. And and when I was in Indianapolis and St. Louis, and, they, and, and obviously a lot of artists uh, came out of the movement in St. Louis, as we talked about earlier. But uh, yes, there are times where you are able to play local music, but you're not able to play it like you do the times are, music. The times are. So were you in St. Louis also with, or Indianapolis, when Chang, like Changi and Nelly, was it around your time where you were in those markets? No, it was when, when Changi blew up, I had just left St. Louis and went to Indianapolis. But Nelly, yes. It's I even still went on Midwest. the road. Yeah. It's still Midwest. And, and so I knew was- him personally. Like, I knew Changi before he was Changi. You know, wow. he was 49 Productions, another company. Right, right, right. And in, in, in St. Louis and all. You know, but, I mean, I still knew him. Did you see the star power in them before they took off? Or even, like, somebody like Nelly still yes. relevant from yes. the beginning? Yes. Wow. Yes. It didn't start off with a record company. It started off locally. How was their buzz locally? That's what I'm Crazy. saying. It, it started off locally. Like, it's like, whoa, this song right now, if it gets into the right hands, it's a rap. Because the emotions, people would just hear the song and they would go crazy. When Country Grammar came on, they went crazy. Give me what you got, St. Lunatics. People would go crazy. In that market. You see and hear the passion when they speak about that record. And everybody, they loved it. In that market. So that's crazy. Just just, just to hear that. Because I don't know if that's... Do you believe that's still a thing now? Like artists are still that process, the local support or... Because music is different now. You just you could go national before you even become mm-hmm. famous, you mm-hmm. know, locally. But I I don't want to go there. I want to go. I want to talk about the transition of from St. Louis. Yeah, no, cause I, 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 I want I want to <laughs> take that. Whole- I want to take it back. I want to take it back. I want to take the question back. Because hold that. Because I, I don't want to. I will say that there there are opportunities for uh, artists, and you know, you may now the time. It, yeah, it has changed, but maybe you have to go through and 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 prove. I mean, that's what it's, it's always been about. You have to prove that you have something there and build the foundation yourself for others to jump on it, you know? And you may not get radio right away. You may not get TV right away. You may not get these other people But it's still a process no matter it's what. It's a process. And they went through it too. Nelly mm-hmm. didn't just blow up. He had to put the work in. He had to put that work in. So even to break a record like Nelly, what did, what did he have to do? What, what do you think some of the process is and how could it relate to today's time? You know, time? I'm, I'm, I'm going to be totally honest, dude. You, you're talking about something that was over 20 years ago. I can't oh. even, I can't even. I'm, I'm wondering if it's the same thing today or is it just all totally different? Well, I think the biggest piece though, and this is just the formatics period, you got to get out here and shake hands and build a relationship with people personally. 
Yeah, a work. lot of people would just turn in a CD. And I'm like, what What makes you stand out from that next CD over there? Why should I listen to your CD instead of putting it on that stack of CDs? Because what you're doing is you're giving me your CD just like anybody else would give me a so, CD. Because now it's more personality is important. It is. Now, it is. Your whole overall brand. It is. What are we doing here? What What is your one one or two minute? Well, I say thirty second pitch. I'll leave it at that. What is your thirty second pitch that's going to get me to listen to you? How do you stand out from that next person? So, but how do you develop that ear for that for yourself and just being in this industry? What do you think that separates the ones that I've made it became big hits and like what do you think they have that that's their number. No, Obviously, you must have good music. Yeah, <laughs> you, you a lot of people forget that music. part. <laughs> but the other piece, again, is networking and building relationships. That's one-on-one with the whole thing. A lot of people think you can just email blast, and that's it. No. Who's looking at the email blast? It's like junk mail. Thanks. You have to get there individually. Each person, shake hands, build it. And I'll tell people this. When I meet a DJ or anything, and I can only speak from a DJ experience, I'm not going to even give you my music on day one. I'm going to come out and support you wherever you are and just get to know you. Because once I build a relationship with you, and you know this, Beethoven, the music can come later. I can give you 20 songs later, but I need to build a relationship with you first. Key. I would treat music just like I would treat some girl I'm trying to get to know in, in the club. Are you going to be kissing up on her the first, first day? day. And, no. I've seen some wild things <laughs> as a promoter, Don. I've seen some wild things. But overall, so. though, it's like, hey, can I can I get to can I get to know your name first? Can I get right. you a drink? Can we can we talk? Can we see if Build there's a some kind of common? Start from the beginning. That's it. And I think a lot of artists definitely skip that because they believe the process is easier. Which now you have more access and more tools that people can hear the music, but the building a relationship part yeah. is still building yeah. the relationship part. And once you build that relationship, I'm telling you, sometimes it's not even about the music. You they they're just gonna play the music because Off you the built relationship. The, because you built the relationship. The re- so but now you're now you, so speaking of relationship, I wanna get into how you transition from Indianapolis into West Palm Beach. Because I think you told me it was like a relationship. That got you to that next thing. Like, how did that, like, what was that for you? I mean, relationship and hard work, too, you know? And I had been a music director and owner personality for all of my life. And I'll never forget, a VP told me, he said, what are you doing? What are you going to do next? You know? It's like, you're getting at that age. And I'm just calling it. He had a real conversation with me. Did he say you're getting old? Yeah, he basically said that. I just want to let you know that. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to let you know you're getting all done if you didn't know. But here's the thing. When you really think about it, when you talk about the hip-hop and radio station, understand, a hip-hop radio station, the age demographic is 18 to 34. Mm. For most radio stations across the the country. And then when you have R&B stations like the one I am at now, the age demographic is 25, 54. And that tend to be typical across the entire company, uh, a country. But... I said, man, I'm looking at my age and I'm like, you're right. In fact, some of these songs I'm playing now, I don't even like these songs anymore. And I can't even relate to some of this stuff because you just naturally grow, you know? And I had went from being a night jock 
And I said, to try to extend my life on the hip hop end, I had moved to middays and earlier day part, reconnected with that audience that grew up with me as kids. And it's a different day part, the older end of that 18 to 34. But still, I felt like I was a little out of place. And then um, it was time to make that transition and something to think about. And I went over to the uh, Urban AC side. So now I'm on the younger end. What is that for end. the ones that, what is the Urban AC side? R&B, thank you. R&B radio station. Urban adult contemporary. So when you listen to a radio station like X, you're hearing the throwback hip hop, but you're also hearing the Mary J. Blige and the Fantasias and, you know, Kim. And I said, hey, I could go here with this being a younger or the demographic is 35 to 54. I'm starting on the young end <laughs> and I have You're a lot of upside again. potential. Right. <laughs> That's why you became your, <laughs> you became your, I get, I get your trick. Don. Right. <laughs> I, I definitely get how you trick the game. That's it. But I still love hip hop. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I mean, I, it may be it's the foundation still love it, but you got to be honest at some point you got to, you got to be willing to let it go. Hmm. And you got to help grow the next generation and put them in position and not hold on when you know it's not right for you anymore. You want to say it again? So, <laughs> I don't even know so what I said. At some point, no, seriously, and I get it. Sometimes you're fearful. You don't want to move. You're comfortable. Mm. You have to push yourself and also open the doors for others to come in and take over that position that you once occupied. You can't stay there forever. Stop. It's meant for us to grow. But but how did you get to the point to even know those things? Like, the, was it watching just, other failures or? To get to know that I needed to grow? Yeah, that just started I to just get told you. My, my program, uh, my VP. So it was me. him that's why. It wasn't you that actually knew that. No, I mean, I, I was growing in my own way, but he just gave me something else to think about. I was trying to continue to grow in that position. And I could have stayed there and I, you know, I could still be the big dog there or whatever. But internally... Am I happy with where I'm at? So that was an important piece of it. Yeah. And he just really gave me, it's, it's important to have mentors and it helped you grow and think That's because I, I didn't, I didn't think about leaving that position. Was it, was he still in Indianapolis with you when he's going to tell you? He was a VP. Like he was all across the country. Oh, so Okay. Yeah. But he came into the market because this was one of his radio stations and he said, okay, like, What's next so what me? was so there is X one super and three and then there is own like how does that no this was a different company this was oh before that yeah it this was, was a different company yeah a different company so and then that company owned at that time the X one two point three no this is two different companies I oh. left that company okay and went to another company here so how did you how did that transition happen how did you get down here so my boss. <laughs> My local boss. Mm -hmm. And then Indianapolis. Indianapolis and went to West Palm Beach to become the operations manager. And there was an urban AC radio station here. And he needed a program director for the station. And he said, hey, are you ready to check this out and see if this- Are you ready to be an you? adult and stop being with <laughs> these kids? <laughs> are, you ready to, um, are you ready to grow up? That's exactly- <laughs> That's basically how he said it. I was trying to help you out. Hey, old man, are you ready to right. uh, be an adult? Right. And this is, a, this is a different guy, by the way. You know? Uh -huh. So um, you have operations and then you have, you know, VP of program. Two different guys. But I said, um, yeah, 
And it's been the best move. Let me tell you. I say St. Louis really birthed and, and, and raised me. And Indianapolis is where I became an adult. <laughs> and here in Florida is where the money is. <laughs> where the money is. Welcome to South Florida. This is definitely where the money is. Yeah. And, and from there, and let me tell you, being in management, it's been different. It's been an experience that I needed. It helped me grow. It helped me deal with people in a different way, understand, and help me put others in position. And I but you also the watching the transitioning of behind the scene of how music change, how the business change. Yeah. And you also went through different owners around that time also. Mm-hmm. Like how does a lot of people don't understand how that work with radio station because X1 2.3 changed yeah. several times mm-hmm. from you know, guys that was host before, DJ, whatever, whatever, all those things before to where it is now. But a lot of people don't see the behind the scene of how all that worked. Because how many owners have you even dealt with since you've been there? Since I've been here, three. Three different ownership. Since I've when been owners here. change, what really changes in the business? I, I, that's a great question. For me, um, the policies and procedures, but the overall operation, like, of the radio station locally, like things were kind of still the, the same. I didn't see a lot of stuff that happened behind the scenes. Obviously the name changed and, and the way we did business and all, but the radio station still ran. We were playing the same music. None of that changed. Are owners involved hands-on really, or is really, or most of the owners own several that they're just really owners and they have operations people. Uh, Both. <laughs> so you've had both both yes yes when i when i got here um the owner in fact this was the headquarters for the entire company and i think the owner had like maybe like 180 something radio stations and their hr department was here Ooh. his office was here like so i would see him literally... every day so he was involved yes and then you have others where you have vps that are involved in operations managers that you report to. And then what well, um, the is it? A, is it like, can you talk about the owner of that owns it now? Like as far as, is it owned by a national um, yes. brand now? Yes. Hubbard radio. And um, it's a family name back in the day. Um, satellite TV is where they made like a lot of their money and radio is something they really, really believe in. They have high standards. Obviously it's a family name. Of course. And they are the uh, cream of the crop when it comes to just radio um, as far as quality and product, (laughs) pay and everything. Like if you want to work for a company. This is an ideal company to to work. You want to work. So I know radio is changing so much. I want to talk a little bit about what does the future look like for you guys as far as radio and how do you guys bring value even into the podcasting side of things? That's a great question. You know, I think, when when the pandemic hit, it made a lot of people think. And this could be a long conversation, but um, obviously ratings shift because most people listen to radio in their cars. Well, when the pandemic hit, a lot of people were at home, mm. working from home. That changed. And if they're working from home, that means they're not listening in the car. The ratings are down. So what do you have to do? You have to find other avenues to reach your audience so that you can get the credit to boost the ratings back up. Mm -hmm. And that opened up the doors 
for not only us, but companies across the country to see how do we grow our apps? How do we grow our websites? Um, how do we grow our Alexa devices? Social media? Mm. Podcasting? All of that. Because, again, you have to continue to put yourself where the people are. Your product. You have to find and be wherever they are. So, so they're now, a media company that they just utilize different that's medium. What, that's exactly what we are now. It's not just radio. It's not just radio. So, and I would encourage anyone out there, like, you have to use everything. Because if you don't, you'll lose the people. And the key thing is to keep that audience. Keep them. Recycle one them. Of the, um, yep. Uh, is there... So could you speak a little bit more about what does the future of podcasting look like a little bit more on uh, as far as the importance of it or anything like that? Or Again, it's, an, it's another avenue to connect with the people. That's always the most important thing. And it's very important now. <laughs> That's something with, with our company, Podcast One, and, and I, I'm, I'm happy to report like we are ahead of the curve and jumping on that with our company. And we have several podcasts now. And I'll just say KVJ show, they're reaching thousands of people right now that they never would have reached if they didn't have that podcast. Wow. Now these people are familiar with them, uh, listening even more. And it's a way to recycle them back around to listening to the radio station, streaming online. I didn't know you guys had that many people on on podcast one also. Oh yeah. I did some research. um, It's big. You, you guys have, you know, after we talked about some of the things that we talked about, mm-hmm. I did not know there was that many shows and that many, you know, I think, you know, like T.I. shows on yeah. there. Um, but it was just so many other celebrities and comedians and yep. personalities that I saw that you guys actually are part of, I think. But, I, you know, once, you know, me, I'm a I'm a big supporter of podcasting because of the reach, the um it's another formula for communication. Mm-hmm. And I think it's only going to grow. But video podcasting especially. Because I'm watching how much video. When video and radio got together. Watching like you know the stuff on Charmaine. Like, that's the one that we use as an example. To start off with most conversation. And just watching how the importance of that. And I'm trying my best to educate more people. On how this, how this tool is so important. Connecting your audio, you as a radio personality, adding video to it now yep. is taking things to a whole different level. It's now giving people the opportunity to connect with you a little mm-hmm. bit more, to understand mm-hmm. who you are. And like, they feel like they're really part of, and they feel like they're part of the set now. Yep. Because you didn't know what was happening in the sets back in the days. You didn't even know what it took, you know, because there's a real process to what you guys do in radio also. Because I remember back in the days when I was buying commercial slots and dealing with, um, you know, X1, 2.3, different station. I used to spend a lot of money on radio. And just to watch the on-air personality record the commercial, edit the commercial themselves, because a lot of people don't realize you guys do all of it. Then have to really put the commercial, change your voice, change your tone. Like, it's real work behind it and watching. I think people would love to understand that process. Oh, it's a lot. And I think they, and then they get into podcasts and think it's just an easier thing, but it's yeah. still a lot of that full production let me let me just say this a 60 second commercial that would normally run on a radio station depend on what kind of commercial you're doing which could be a party spot it could be some kind of business but if it's a party spot like a 60 second commercial could take an hour or two it's like that same thing with film 
the content that the lord 10 yeah. second 30 that commercial is some of the hardest commercials to yep. put together and i've literally watched so many guys for the past 20 years i've been dealing with radio at from from all from new york from hot 97 to down here and yep. i've watched guys it's just it's real work and a lot it of people is. don't realize that the process of it man but what do you see yourself in the next couple of years dealing with radio man closing out um that's a great question um my goal, my goal is to retire in the next few years. In the business of radio. Of in course. the business, in, in the business of radio. Again, as I talked about this earlier, listen, I think it's important to make sure we're grooming the next generation for those roles. I'm gonna be okay. It's been a blessing for me. I've been able to <laughs> save 401k. And on top of that, I've been able to give back too. Am I rich? Absolutely not. He's wealthy. Ah. No, he got the money, ladies. Get him. Absolutely just... not. But I'm going to be okay, and I have I have the network. I have the right people that I know. And, uh, again, my, my whole goal is to open up doors and opportunities for others. If you would give your advice for someone that wants to be in the business of media, what would be the thing? What would the what would be the value that you tell them? You give them to oh, get into man. this process. You're asking some good questions. Listen, um, I'm taking over your job at the station I, next. I, I will say yeah, this: right. do not ruin reputation. Uh, do not ruin relationships. Um, open your mind, and let me tell you: even as a program director, if I'm totally being honest and transparent, there were some things I struggled with. And it caused a lot of heartache for myself. Um, my way is not always the right way. <laughs> and when I say the right way, listen, you may have a great idea, but the company may be moving this direction in this direction. Or if your supervisor asks you, why are you doing things this way? And being offended, I've been doing it this way for years, blah, blah, blah. Understanding, hey, it's a reason why we do everything and being able to explain that and 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 being able to see a different perspective of things from other people and being okay with making that adjustment. I don't know everything. And there's some people that can help me to grow, being open and being willing to embrace that knowledge. Mm. Very important. Put the <sighs> ego aside. You got to put the ego aside. Ego's dangerous. Very. The ego's dangerous. So I, I want, like, I want you to leave your information, please, where people, because amazing, amazing conversation. Um, Don is a great friend, a great brother of mine. Don's really been there for me. The ups and downs. My testimony. He's always been there, and he's solid. He's a good brother. He really knows. He's passionate. He knows what he's talking about, about what he knows what he's talking about. He Thank knows, you. I appreciate You know, that. he's just an overall solid man. And I think you are bringing so much value into the industry for the past 26 years. I think it's big. Um, and I think you're going to keep on doing it. I think, like you said, you're going to bring more people with you and inspire more. But I think if people want to get to know more about you, where could they follow more of you? Up? What time they could log on to the station? All the extra stuff that you bring to the table. Um, thank you very much. I do appreciate you for having me, uh, forcing me onto this show. Absolutely. <laughs>
Beethoven, I mean, dude, I am so proud of you and what you're doing. And again, thanks for the opportunity. For me, uh, don't laugh when I say this. I am always on my email. Rec1 at hotmail.com. Don't laugh at the hotmail address, but let me Please tell you. Please laugh at the hotmail. Please, go ahead, go ahead. Take but let back. me tell you why I still use my hotmail address. Number one, I didn't feel a reason to change it. You've built all of these connects <laughs> and to switch over to something else when this is working. I have a lot of money that come through my hotmail account. I'm not going to lose that money. For no hotmail. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, seriously, like you gotta understand, I was I was hotmail day one, and that's where all my con my my people connect with me on. And it's like, hey, the record companies, the people I've uh, done a lot of business with, they all have my hotmail address. I'm not gonna lose those connections. Yeah, you shouldn't just to switch over to another email. Just so you server. can stop being embarrassed when you tell people you have a hotmail. I'm fine with Why that. Would you I'm fine with that. It, it, it collects the money. It got <laughs> So, Rec1 at Hotmail, W-R-E-K-K, -K, the number one at Hotmail. Same thing uh, on social media, at X1023. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, at Rec1 or at Don Chris X1023. Um, that's on it. all they know, social they media know me, They know me, yeah, they know me by Rec1 because that was my hip-hop name. And then when I came here. Your old man name. I had to change it to my <laughs> old man because you can't be in these corporate meetings talking about. Rec1. Rec1 is <laughs> I'm getting ready to speak about <laughs> diversity. I get it. You know it's a little yeah. different. But it's, it's a little different, yeah. That's man, exactly I'm proud of you, man. Keep going. I know it's just Thank the you. beginning. And keep impacting, man. Appreciate Thank you. Me. I appreciate you. Don't, don't. That's all, folks. <laughs> Don, nah, you wasn't ready for that? No, fucking wasn't ready for that. <laughs> you still fucking recording, man. <laughs> Don't matter. It's over. Wait. No, I think we, we, we got it. But they will do some edits on this. Can we? No, let's go. Let's stop. stop. Okay. Nobody want to hear your nose. Nobody want to hear all the stuff. What? Wait. I be trying to dance.